Ministry Mentorship, Episode 25. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started with today's podcast, let me just say that if you have a question, a testimony, or a comment about ministry mentorship, you can send an email to jacobtapia at ministrymentorship.com. That's J-A-C-O-B-T-A-P-I-A at ministrymentorship.com. It's always a blessing to hear from our listeners. I'd also like to remind you to check out our podcast on iTunes. There's over 50 resources there that you can have access to, and and you can find out more at ministrymentorship.com backslash podcast. And if you would take a minute and rate the podcast on iTunes, it would greatly help us spread the word about ministry mentorship. Also, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be releasing interviews with children's evangelist Pat Whalage from Fortville, Indiana, and former district superintendent James Merrick from Duluth, Minnesota. You can also help us spread the word about ministry mentorship by liking or tweeting this interview. Your help is greatly appreciated as we endeavor to connect apostolic leaders with young people. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Pastor James Maroney from Campbellsburg, Kentucky. Brother Maroney has a tremendous testimony and a ministry of deliverance to young people. He is the pastor of the Apostolic Pentecostal Church in Campbellsburg and is a passionate preacher of the gospel. I know this interview is going to be a blessing to you, and so let's join the conversation now. We're glad to have Pastor James Maroney with us today. He pastors the Apostolic Pentecostal Church in Campbellsburg, Kentucky, and he and his wife, Gayla, have been married uh, for, I believe it's 19 years, is that right? 20 years, actually. 20 years. February, yes, sir. Wow, and he's been in ministry for 25 years uh, brother Maroney, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Now, tell us a little bit of your story. Okay, well, a little bit about myself. My family, uh, my family on my mother's side is a long-time Pentecostal route. I was raised apostolic. Uh, my father uh, was not in church and uh, currently still not in church. Uh, but we are um, hoping and praying that that will happen soon someday. But we, I was raised in, I guess you could say spiritually, I was raised in a split home, uh, and that my parents were always together, but my mother was, was the main factor uh, of me attending church and going to church. So uh, church life is all that I've ever known, going to church, that is. My father is uh, retired military. And uh, we've lived all over the place. We lived in Berlin, Germany for a couple of years and, and uh, several different places in the United States, um, kind of always moving around as, as it is with the, uh, with the military. Uh, but again, all I've ever known is, is going to church and being in church. Um, my father uh, was an alcoholic, uh, so I've, I've uh, kind of seen uh, both sides. Of, I've, I tell people all the time that, it, uh, it was kind of different because I was raised in the home of an apostolic and an alcoholic. And so huh. you, you kind of see the two uh, drastic uh, ends of it. But um, through, the, through the years, the Lord has really allowed me to um, 
to help people that have either have family uh, that are addicted uh, to addict, addictive substances or uh, just people themselves. And so I, I do thank God for taking uh, that part of my life and allowing me to uh, to use it. Uh, but thank God, and I give him glory because as of today, uh, my father is actually six uh, six months clean uh, from wow. drinking. And so I'm very, very excited about that. The Lord is um, doing a great work there. Uh, but but my mother was the one that kept me in church, and uh, I received the uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost when I was seven years of age, and uh, I was baptized in Jesus' name also at seven years of age, and uh, was just from a very young age, you know, uh, just always going to church and uh, uh, was very much a part of it. I, I started the church we were in in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, uh, didn't have a drummer. And I always liked the drums. And so uh, I had an uncle that uh, went to college for percussion. And so he um, he actually uh, taught me how to keep the beat on the drums. And so at the age of about eight years of age, I became a drummer. <laughs> so oh, wow. got, the, got the Holy Ghost got baptized and um, started playing in the church. Again, it was a smaller church. And so, uh, you know, I started doing that. And, and um, you know, my, my family, I've got a, a great family, actually on both sides. Uh, you know, my, my dad's side of the family is, is Catholic, uh, was, was primarily Catholic, and then, uh, of course, my mother's side being apostolic. But I've, I've had a great upbringing, uh, even though my, my father, uh, in his situation, he always taught me things like honor and respect and, and obedience, that sort of thing. Uh, and then my mother, you know, obviously handed me the, the, the incredible heritage that I have have today. So uh, that's kind of my story, at least the beginning of, of my story. Now, talk to us a little bit about how you first got started in ministry. Uh, when I was uh, 16 years of age, I received the call to preach. And I will never forget, uh, as long as I live, how that happened. I prayed for, for several years, my teenage years, 13, 14, 15. Uh, being an only child, I was one of those rare individuals, I guess, that, uh, you know, didn't have a brother or sister, but I was one of those rare individuals that, you know, in, in the most awkward uh, time of the most awkward time of my life, which is, I believe, that 12, 13, 14 uh, year, year age group there. Um, I was trying to fit in, trying to fit in with the youth group at church and also trying to fit in at school. And, and there was a great tug of war going on for my life. I, I had a lot of good friends at school, uh, as good as in not bad. <laughs> and then I had a lot of friends more so that did not go to church, did not subscribe to that kind of lifestyle. And so there was a constant struggle there. I, I yeah. gave my mother, I can honestly say I gave my mother a lot of heartache there because, you know, she, she was trying to keep me in church and keep me involved. But then I had friends at school that wanted to do things like drink and, and smoke and, uh -huh. and, you know, go party and that sort of thing. And even in my younger 13, 14, and 15 uh, year, uh, you know, years of age there, I would come home and pray and I would, uh, you know, pray that God would give me an intense desire just to live for him. So the ministry came along mm -hmm. when I was praying just for a desire to stay in church. That is the, the oddest thing of it. A lot of people that I talked to in my, in my uh, years of ministry, you know, they prayed, God, use me, God, use me. 
And uh, but Tommy, I never prayed God use me. I prayed God keep me saved. Wow, <laughs> that, that was my prayer. And so mm-hmm. um, ultimately, uh, when I was about fifteen, going into sixteen years of age, uh, I felt a call in my heart into the ministry. And I, I uh, was praying, and I, I heard the Lord speak to me and tell me that He was going to use me in the ministry. And it honestly scared me. I ran from it for mm-hmm. about six months. And then I finally sat down with my pastor after about six months, and I came clean with him. And, and I'll never forget, he said, uh, how do you know that you're supposed to preach? I mean, he, and he asked me the question with a—he squinted his eyes, and, and my pastor mm-hmm. uh, is, is Brother David Bayer, the pastor's in Evansville, Indiana, and he's also my uncle. And so that made it uh, even more intense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he looked at me and he said, uh, how do you know that you're called to preach? And I started to tear up a little bit, and I said, because I cannot think of anything else that that gives my soul satisfaction, and I can't see myself being happy doing anything else. Mm. I feel like I've got to do this. And he said, okay. He said, well, then I, I get it. So he immediately put me to work in the ministry, uh, and by that, I mean he had me cleaning the church. He had me cleaning the toilets. Uh, <laughs> I didn't preach or teach for quite some time. He put me... He put me to work uh, in uh-huh. the lowest areas, and, he, and I'll never forget him saying to me, if you are in your ministry ever too good to clean the church or clean a, clean a bathroom or clean a toilet, he said, then you're too good to preach. Hmm. And uh, that, that has stuck with me. So that's how, that's how I got started in the ministry. Now, you recently preached at Youth Congress, and did you ever think at 16 years old that you would ever be preaching at Youth Congress? I never in a million years <laughs> dreamed that I would be preaching at a youth congress. In fact, that was something because, again, because of my upbringing, you know, I did not, I came from a family that was uh, my mom's side heavy in the apostolic, and then the other side was not. I wasn't, you know, uh, known per se. Um, I had preached different things before being youth president. Uh, of the District of Kentucky for four years, and then I was actually youth secretary for uh, for four years prior to that. So mm-hmm. in that time is when I started preaching different things, like youth rallies. Or I remember the first camp I got asked to preach. I was just amazed. And honestly, I thought that was going to be the extent of it. I mm-hmm. thought that that was it. And I, I think I was actually preaching at camp until the Shane Man called and and asked me to preach Youth Congress, wow. and I, uh, I had to pull over. It was really heavy. <laughs> so, but the, no, the answer is no. I never thought I'd be preaching Youth Congress at all. So, what goes through your mind when you're getting ready to preach an event like that, or even a camp meeting, or you know, what what do you what do you feel? What do you think about? Well, the first thing you think about is uh, the intense fear <laughs> that comes through your. No, you're you're actually. Uh, yeah. I, I tell you, the first thing that popped into my mind, and actually, I'll say it like this: it came into my spirit, mm-hmm. is the weight, the brevity, the depth of what it is that you're about to do. For a brief moment, for just a brief moment, you are excited to the place where you're thinking, "Wow, I'm going to preach youth congress." Then, as soon as that thought hit my mind, it immediately was dismissed. And then the seriousness of what I was about to do, because I believe, I'm one of those that believes that North American Youth Congress is quite possibly the single greatest event in our movement as a whole. 
general conference is great, you know, crusade. But as far as organizationally speaking, let me put it that way. Because all of these young people, pastors, student pastors, adults that are coming together, and especially the last youth congress, I believe they said that this was the largest uh, one in attendance that they had had uh, to date. I believe that that is, is accurate from what I, what I understand. To think at that moment, preaching the Word of God to this generation and trying your best to let the Lord use you to empower them to take this thing to the next level. I was honored. I was humbled. And uh, that, that's what went through my mind the whole time I was thinking, God, uh, you know, I don't mean to question you, but are you sure that I'm the man for the job? This, <laughs> this mm, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was heavy. It was a very heavy, uh, uh, heavy thing. So in preparing for it, I just prayed and said, God, you tell me what you want me to say to this mm. generation. And that's all that matters. Wow. You know, I think just from your testimony of where you came from and how God really began to work in your life, the common theme that I'm seeing is prayer and yeah. that it started, your calling started in prayer and, and it, it continued and 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 the first thing that you do is go into prayer. You know, so yeah, sure. in, in a lot of ways, um, I think that's something that's very important for us to know as young people starting out in ministry is that it's not, it doesn't start necessarily in the pulpit. It starts Absolutely. in between the pew or in an altar somewhere. And, and, and as we continually give our lives to God, he, he makes a way, he, he promotes, he yes. exalts and, and he does what we can't do. Yes, absolutely. That is absolutely correct. What do you see happening in this generation? What do you see and what maybe if you could put your finger on the pulse of the young people in our generation, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Actually, but I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because that is um, Youth Congress was a life-changing uh, event for me regarding my view of this generation. Uh, having worked, again, having worked in the, um, uh, you know, with the general, in the general youth division uh, as, as a district, on a district level being youth president, uh, the camps that I ran, holiday youth conventions, and then the things that I preached. Um, I am not going to say that I was worried about this generation, but I'll be honest uh, and say that, that prior to Youth Congress, um, I did have some concerns. And it wasn't maybe, you know, quite the same concerns as, um, you know, what, what others may have. I, I was, I'm never, I've never been concerned that, that this generation uh, is going to take this thing you know, to a completely ridiculous uh, area. I believe that, that God has got his hand um, on this movement, and, yeah. and he's in control, okay? But let me say this. At Youth Congress, I felt in the Holy Ghost and saw something in the Holy Ghost that I had not seen in a long time, and I am more encouraged by this generation, mm. I can say, than I have been in, in previous generations. Um, there's something different about it. I think that if we can, as a movement today, if we can help teach and train this generation on the simple aspect of things like you uh, had just mentioned, the, the, the wonderful comment about prayer, okay? Mm -hmm. Prayer is a lifestyle. The Bible clearly tells us, pray without ceasing. And when you really consider that command, which I believe it's a command and not really a suggestion, mm -hmm. when you consider pray without ceasing, if you were to take that literally, which we which we should, but if you look at it literally, 
without ceasing means that you do not stop. Okay. And we obviously know that being on your knees or being, uh, you know, uh, in a prayer room or in your prayer closet, as it were, 24 hours a day, seven days a week is physically impossible, next to impossible to do. So what does that mean, pray without ceasing? That means that we have to get to a place where we have a mind and a spirit of prayer, where no matter where we are throughout our day, and no matter where we are throughout our life, that we can instantly, in our mind and in our spirit, move into an area of prayer without having to warm up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Without having to, okay, well, let's hit our knees. Obviously, we do want to hit our knees and get into our prayer closet. We need our alone time. But that spirit of prayer, I believe, should be taught to this generation where they begin to walk more in and of and after the spirit than sure. the flesh. And what I saw at Youth Congress, I saw between 18 and 20,000 people gather in an arena and listen to the Word of God and sing, and they did not, nothing had to really break, I didn't feel. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that we had to pump it up and then on a certain time. I felt that from the beginning of that Congress to the end of that Congress, there was a deep spirit of prayer and walking after the Spirit, and that's why great things happen. So what do I see happening with this generation? I see this generation taking an old promise and taking it to the next level. I, I preach a message, and I preached at a few camps, and, or not camps, but youth conventions here as of late. I've, I've preached it a couple times, but uh, the, the message is entitled, uh, An Old Promise to a New Generation, or mm-hmm. a New Generation with an Old Promise. And, and that's basically what it is. If we can let this generation know that the promises of God and the things of God have not changed, and God is now looking to the Joshua generation, to, to fulfill it in a way that Moses did not uh, take it to that level, to the next level that God intended. That's what I see happening. Great spiritual things in store uh, for, for this generation. You know, it is encouraging to see uh, the young people and, and the desire to be involved in, in more of the grassroots level. And I, I think that's exciting, even with this, the new Bible study programs that are going up. Uh, yes, and, it, you know, it's it's neat to see young people being involved, and, and I think that's a wonderful trait of this generation. Let, let's talk a little bit. Uh, this podcast is geared towards young ministers between the ages of 18 to 30. What advice can you give to a young minister that feels a call into ministry? Well, the advice that I would give a young minister um, at the stage of their life that they feel a calling and understand that the only thing that I can go by is my personal experience. And so uh, what I'm about to give every young minister that listens to this podcast, uh, in my opinion, is a pot of gold. Okay. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. going to do every one of them a favor. uh, If they'll, if they'll listen and hearken uh, unto these words, it (laughs) will genuinely help their ministry. The first thing, that I would tell any young minister is in this generation. When you feel a call to the ministry, you immediately attach yourself immediately to your pastor, to an elder in your life, uh, obviously your pastor first, but then if you can uh, find even a couple elders that you will allow to speak into your life, Mm. uh, it will carry you places. I can tell you, and I get choked up whenever I think about it, but I would not be any place that I am today in my ministry without the leading and the guidance 
of my pastor and the elders in my life. Mm. I've got men that speak to, and, and there's no way. I mean, a, a young minister can hear those words, and unless they are currently doing it, they will not understand the weight of what I'm saying until they do it. But when they yeah. do, everything my pastor told me, everything my pastor told me that would come to pass in my life when I pastored, when God finally decided that I would pastor or whatever that I would do. I evangelized for four years before I pastored. And uh, uh, in that time, everything that he has said has come to pass. Wow. And it's and none of it, none of it surprised me. I never have sat back one time and thought, you know, my pastor never, he never warned me about this, or he never talked to me uh, about that. I've never done that. Every time I've sat back and I've said, yep, I remember. I remember he told me. And, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of gives you a um, a spiritual preparation, if you will. It gives you this this uh, kind of a, a, a glimpse into the future, you know, on what's going to happen. Uh, so the first thing I would say definitely is submit yourself to a pastor that can help teach you and train you. Do what he says without question. You may not agree with some of the uh, uh, added, or not the, um, but some of the um, admonitions, that's the word that, it, that he's giving. You sure. may not agree with some of the decisions that he's making, uh, helping you make in your life or asking you things to do. But if you will submit yourself to him, that is an, an extremely important part. And, you know, uh, I've heard people say through the years, uh, Brother Tavi, I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, I don't always agree with this or agree with that. And, mm-hmm. and I, to some degree, I do get that. But I also understand that the Scripture says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And so sometimes the spirit of agreement that you have to have with your leadership and with your, with your elders, sometimes that spirit of agreement is, is I agree with him because he is my pastor. Right. I may not understand this decision. But I will be and have a spirit of agreement with him that though I don't understand that this is the, the best call for my life hmm. at this moment. And so God will bless that no matter what God will bless that. Um, so the first piece of advice is that the second piece of advice is if you have access to any uh, psychology classes or books, take them. <laughs> <laughs> Because good. when you begin to deal with people, and I did not go to school for psychology, but I did begin to look, I, I did do a lot of, uh, you know, reading. I don't, I cannot tell you off the top of my head through the years how many books and things I've read just on people's personalities, mm-hmm. personality traits. And the reason being is because the pulpit ministry, preaching behind the pulpit, is probably about 10% of what you'll do. Mm, 80 to 90% true. or greater will be working and dealing with people. And we've always said, if you're going to win someone to the Lord, you win them to you first. Right. And, you know, love, compassion, helping someone. And for every young minister that's ready to preach or every young minister that wants to get behind a pulpit, they need to fast forward in their life and think, okay, what am I going to do when I'm sitting behind the desk and there's a family or an individual that's on the other side of the desk, and they're broken, they're hurting, their life is a wreck, and they have come to you for answers. What are you going to tell them? Mm, And so I believe those two elements uh, through the years, they have helped me immensely. I have uh, my, one of my favorite things to do is deal with people. And I know that sounds ridiculous. I mean, (laughs) it's like, 
well, you know, it's so it, it can get stressful at times. Um, it, it can be just mind boggling. You go home and you're, you're broken hearted for people, but, but just the feeling that God has put you in a position to not only preach to them, but to reach out to them on a one-to-one, uh, level is, is amazing. So that's what I would say. Submit to your elder and then do as much praying, studying, reading about how to help people. Uh, you know, in the real world with real life problems, that that's that's going to be a huge asset to your ministry. Well, that's great. Thank you for that. That's that's great advice. Talk to that young person right now that that is feeling the pressure to conform, feeling the pressure uh, to to just fit in and 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 just kind of go with the flow. What what do you tell that young person? I would tell that young person. Um, this one thing I would say that when there's really no power in anything that is diluted, when you begin to yeah. dilute something, you begin to add other elements that, that do not uh, belong, uh, or maybe even if they seem to fit at the time, always understand that you are always taking something away. There is a strong, strong pressure and a pull today for conformity, um, letting down on this, letting down on that. And what we have to understand is that the the overall spirit or the main spirit behind that uh, request to conform or that um, uh, temptation to conform is not to improve their current ministry. Oh, well, right. you'll, if you, if you conform, you'll be so much better at this or that. It, it, that's never there. Right. I've never heard anybody ever conform and say, you know what? I saw more people get healed in my ministry. I saw more people get delivered or I saw more people, uh, you know, get the Holy Ghost mm. because I conform. I've never seen that. Uh, every time there's been a letting down whether it's uh, of apostolic lifestyle and or standards, however people want to, you know, put it, I, I, I call it apostolic lifestyle, but, but, you know, when they begin to let down on that and then they begin to let down on, you know, I know people right now that they, they used to, even in our movement, believe strongly that, that uh, you need to be baptized in Jesus name and, mm-hmm. and you need to be filled with the Holy ghost and speak in tongues. Those same people no longer believe that. And mm-hmm. you would think that, you know, the, the overall, uh, the lie of the enemy is, I'll put it that way, is that if you do that, if you conform, you will grow your church and you'll reach more people. But that's not that's not true. Uh, right. They're they're not doing that. They are no bigger than they've ever been. Their churches are not any bigger than they've ever been. And so what happened? What's happened is, is we have taken away the power that Jesus Christ first delivered to us. And and the the message that I preached at Youth Congress, I, I was so torn because you know I, I had this struggle in my spirit. I was like, Lord, I want to preach something that these young people have never heard before. And by the top of that's exactly what I, I was praying to God. I mm-hmm. said, I want to preach something they've never heard before. And the Lord spoke to me in prayer, and the Lord said, I don't want you to give them something they've never heard before. Mm. I want you to remind them of what they already should know. Wow. And so that's why what I preached about deliverance at Youth Congress was these young people need to remember that conforming will never deliver the authentic power 
of deliverance that Jesus Christ gave. Jesus Christ never conformed, and that's why he was able to deliver, and that's why he was able to to bring in the power of the spirit of healing. Uh, yeah, I, that's exactly what I would tell any young person feeling the power to conform. Understand this, that you're not going to gain by doing that. But if you refuse to conform, your ministry will be more powerful than it's ever been. And you'll be able to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. You'll be able to pray people through to the Holy Ghost, teach Bible studies to, to students in your school, and watch those things happen. Nobody in this world is looking for anything diluted. They want full power, full strength. That, that's what they're really looking for in their heart. Amen. Talk to that young person right now that's saying, you know what, Brother Maroney, I just feel like I don't have the family background, kind of like you talked about with your dad. I'm 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 not from a real big church, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe my nobody knows my pastor, and I'm I just feel like I'm out here in left field. Sure. Talk to that young person. What do you tell them? I would say that in the Word of God, we have numerous examples of where God never genuinely chose those that were of great fame. Uh, You will read in the Word of God, some of the greatest men were pulled out from underneath things. Even in the choosing, even though it was not God's uh, elect idea, even in the choosing of Israel's first king, we we find that he was, uh, you know, not uh, the the most obvious choice. Uh, David was not the most obvious choice. You right. go down through the list uh, of of great men in the Bible. I mean, the, the greatest apostle, in my opinion, that ever walked in shoe leather, the Apostle Paul, was not the obvious choice. He was completely the opposite of what that was. Mm. So here's what I would tell any young person, any young minister, or young person that's, that's feeling the call into the ministry. If, indeed... You do not come from a family that is uh, engulfed in apostolic environment. Even if you are, if you're the only one that's in your household that is saved, and you're going to church on your own to fit in and be a part of your group, I want to let you know that you are exactly the one that God wants to use to speak to this generation. You are exactly the one that God wants to use to preach a youth congress or to minister overseas or whatever great thing God has for you. It's, it's God heals when he chose the disciples. When the Lord Jesus chose the disciples, he chose the men that nobody else would ever imagine, and this is why. Because no flesh should be able to glory in the presence of God. Right. And if I can look at an individual and say, you know what, his background Look at who his dad is. Look at who his family is. It's only fitting that he should follow in those footsteps. Well, here's the thing, is that the moment we do that, we begin to elevate man. We begin to elevate humanity to a place that God never intended. So basically, God takes the ones that nobody else would imagine, the most unlikely people in the world. Nobody would ever in a million years have dreamed that a hothead fisherman like Peter would ever do and, <laughs> yeah. and, and then do something that nobody in history uh, ever did before or after besides Jesus Christ. He walked on water. Nobody, nobody 
uh, has done that. He, he, and then he was the one that gave our message, the message to us on the day of Pentecost. So, so I say, yeah, I say if you're that type of young person and, and you don't have the home life, you can be living with alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, you can be uh, you coming off the street. Well, you're, you, you fit the criteria. You fit the bill to be used by God mightily. You know, Brother Maroney, I wonder in closing if, if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that feels that call to ministry, and maybe they're they're also feeling that pull uh, to conform, maybe to just kind of relax and sit back. And I wonder if you could just pray over those young people right now that, that are feeling that tug of the Spirit in their life. Yes, sir. Absolutely. We'll definitely do that. Lord Jesus, we pray right now as we... Uh, engage in this dialogue about the ministry. And, and Lord, as we have uh, been through this interview and talked about uh, many wonderful things, I pray, God, that every student, every young person, or every young minister or someone that feels called into the ministry that's listening to this right now, God, I pray a prayer of courage and protection on their lives. God, we know that we are living in a in a very difficult world. But God, we know that you have all the answers, good and bad, good and evil. Lord, you, you're over all things. And God, we trust and know that every young person that's listening to this podcast right now, that's struggling or going through difficult things in their lives, God, we know that you are able to deliver them by your power and by your might. And I pray a spirit of anointing to fall on them right now. And God, whatever decisions or questions that they've had or whatever dilemmas that they are facing in their lives, God, I pray that, that they would right now, that they would lift their hands and they would release it all to you. They would submit to what you would have them to do in their lives. God, I am so encouraged by the power of the Holy Ghost on what is happening in this generation. And I pray that the ones listening to this podcast right now, that you would call them to do a great work and that you would lead them to do a great work in this end time. Lord, we thank you for it, and we thank you for them. We thank you for their obedience to your calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Brother Maroney. And I, I wonder yes, if, if, there is a, if there was a young person that wanted to connect with you, how would they do that? Uh, they can connect with me very easily. Actually, I am on uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's at James Maroney, uh, one word, J-A-M-E-S-M-A-R-O-N-E-Y. Uh, they can connect with me on, on Twitter. I'm also uh, on Instagram of the exact same, exact same username, at James Maroney. I do not have Facebook, mostly because I do not like drama. <laughs> so, so I am not on I'm one of those rare individuals that uh, I'm not on Facebook because basically I need some things to preach about every once in a while so <laughs> I told our I told our church uh, a long time ago after we yeah. got off Facebook I told our church I said you know I'm the kind of person that loves to listen to God and I feel like if God wants me to know something about you uh, maybe something that you've done or been a part of he'll, he'll tell me I won't need to see it on Facebook there you go <laughs> But, uh, but no, they can reach me on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, or they can email me. Uh, it's uh, our email address is the Maronis, one word, T H E M A R O N E Y S 
at mac.com. So it's the Maronis at Mac.com. So either either uh, of those ways, any of those ways, uh, would be would be more than more than successful to to connect with me. And I would I would be honored. I'd love it. Well, Brother Maroney, thank you again for joining us today, and it's been just great to have you, and, and we appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you, Brother Tavi. I appreciate what you're doing. I, I want to tell you uh, that I am honored that you've asked me, and I hope that uh, it's a help and encouragement. And I want to encourage you to continue to do what you're doing because it is a great thing. It's very necessary, very needed uh, in this day and hour. So my, my uh, uh, I give you a great accolades for what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.